Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm glad we have a good altar guild because they noticed the number change in the bulletin. If we would have gone to 805 like Pastor did, which I knew wasn't right because it was too short, but it says, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And yet I'm glad you found the right page. Because today, the blessings of God of whom all these things flow is about the end of the church year, isn't it? The last two Sundays always take up the topic of the end. Now, we celebrated this week Veterans Day, and that's about an end for many who have had to face heavy things in life. Veterans are far different from others, veterans of war. They have kept our nation safe at the expense of facing the darkest of evils. Some have died, leaving a deep hole among family and friends. Others have lost a life of what we'd call good health. Still, even some will never speak of what they experienced. And so no matter of our inter entertainment industry or the cultural elite or even political glories and their agendas, as they try to cover up this world, seasoned soldiers know differently. What they fought to keep is what others will have to fight in the future. And this is why there are veterans not from a war, but from war. We know World War I, II, Korean War, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan. Jesus says in our text today, you'll hear wars and rumors of wars. He's talking about veterans who will have to bear that heavy burden. G.K. Chesterton, a Roman Catholic, long a time ago wrote these words around World War II. Courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live, taking the form of readiness to die. The Gospel reading today shares what even soldiers then need to hear about courage of the true end and the readiness to die before the Lord who died for us. As hard as it is to protect the livelihood of this country, only Christ, as you know, keeps anyone safe of the whole world by faith in Him. And so His proclamation of peace comes rightly by the cross. It does not impress like seeing tanks overtaking hostile territory. It doesn't give the same uh, assurance or relief like well-deserved rest from a tour overseas when the daily battle for the baptized just doesn't go away. It's daily. And so this enemy of sin, death, and Satan is relentless to any person among any nation and even to soldiers. Christ alone remains unshaken, though, by the whole scene, the graphicness of the end. He puts us beneath the cross, where God our Father cares for any by His Son to carry this promising peace within life and before death is the greatest battle ever known upon the earth. It goes back to the beginning of it all, but 
it will finally end that battle. No suffering will ever spoil the salvation we have in Jesus. Now, suffering is what no one wants to see. Man tries, humanity tries at every effort to alleviate pain. One of Jesus' disciples wanted to almost live in the moment, just ignore the problems and pains. And you heard what he said. Look, teacher, what wonderful uh, stones and what wonderful buildings. You got to know something. Herod had rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. It marked a generous act by a Roman leader towards the Jewish church. It wasn't built by their hands, but government bonds and bailout and all the stuff to keep things in a proper place, you could say. And so the icon of the temple in Jerusalem, and it was glorious. It was, it was compared to be one of the wonders of the world at that time to go to Jerusalem and see the temple that had been built. God's son has little time, though, in talking about the works of man. He did not come to glory in what we could do or how well we can do it. And so Jesus brought down those lofty words of living in the moment, left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. About 70 AD and how the temple had given through the King Herod. You see, Jesus, when he did that, led Peter, James, John, and Andrew to want the inside info. They could pick up on what was going on, and they wanted to know what would replace such a glory in Jerusalem. Yet the Lord replied and didn't give them an answer. He said, see, Jesus' words was to keep their eyes on him. He was the new temple. He was the glory born of the Virgin Mary in a very short time of that week. He would be the one going to the cross and, of course, showing them the glory of his resurrection. How many ways, though, are there to be, are there to be led astray without the Savior? It can be watching the darkest evils in the world take place, caving to the despair of it all. On the other hand, it might be in the harmless and more positive answers for living a better life. You've got to realize something. The good and the bad alike are what finally the devil will use to distract all from Jesus as Savior and Lord. Long before his Jewish disciples were to face the pain of the temple's destruction. Or when Christians out of the nations, the big picture, were to face the changes of any time or place. And what that meant for the church. God's son prepared his baptized to do battle by believing in him amongst all tribes, nations, and peoples. The Word made Himself to fight on that cross. Who was this Jesus, of course, compared to the glory and the troubles of the world? Not many would think much. And yet it was in this suffering and death of God's Son, the Father declares this sacrifice sufficient for any. Most will be led astray 
because they hate what God gives. It is the end of our days. You have to know this. Your end has come when we were called to repent and believe the gospel. Our end keeps coming when we repent and return to the gospel. Even the baptized, as we totally admitted in our prayer today, the collect, we can't boast. Oh Lord, by your bountiful goodness, release us from the bonds of our sins, which by reason of our weakness, we have brought upon ourselves that we may stand firm unto the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we prayed for. Indeed, uh, instead of hate, you can have hearts that dare to come before the one who gives his undying word of forgiveness and salvation. And so don't be alarmed. No suffering will ever spoil what Jesus gives out of his cross, even your suffering, even the suffering you didn't expect, or the suffering of repentance that hurts, even though you know a promise of forgiveness is there. Our suffering will then be with Jesus. It's not alone. The Lord told his disciples not only the reality of the world's end, but also their own life in the world. He said, but be on guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you'll be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. This is how the gospel has gone out, the success of it all. God's way drives the proclamation of good news throughout the nation. The kind of suffering that falls upon the true church and the Christian life, of course, varies based upon time, place, and people. I'm thankful that the German Lutherans came over here as they did to a free nation, so we wouldn't have to suffer the same way, but that suffering certainly is encroaching all the more, it seems, in these days. However, the glory of the gospel, you must know, is the driving force behind the harshest treatments. So when we want to think about Africa and all the growth, just don't forget about the suffering and the hardship. So they must flee to the God of refuge. That's the growth. Because all they had was Jesus. And so Jesus' death and resurrection, because of that great hope, keeps nobody silent. Facts of information or remembrance of historical events can be forgotten or changed. And yet the true presence of Christ, as we have him by word and sacrament, already speak and gives forgiveness over this dying world. It's not about a history lesson 2,000 years ago. It's about him who 2,000 years ago still keeps bringing the truth of his undying love through his sacrifice. So we say in our hymn, lift high the cross. Most, of course, will be led astray because they'll hate that idea. And even the anxiety of our life. We felt anxiety, especially for a year and a half. And maybe some depression. But that can lead us to poorly guard what God gives by his gospel. Suffering is not within the system of our culture. 
and far from what the sinful nature will ever call good. And no wonder, then, we need the presence of Christ by word and sacrament. And so Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German Lutheran pastor, during 1938, stood before his congregation as a all watched, or all were experiencing, quietly and silently, the Jews being stripped of citizenship and social status. And this is what he told them from the pulpit in a sermon. No one is a Christian without experience. We are not talking here about life experience, but the experience of God. The experience about which we are speaking here leads us into the depths of hell, into the jaws of death, into the abyss of guilt, into the night of unbelief. Yet in all these things, it's not God's intention to take away God's peace from us. And all these things we experience from day to day, more of God's strength and victory comes. And the peace made at the cross of Christ. Where are you fleeing to for your refuge and your confidence? As words, names, and people, and even statues are getting canceled. We confess Jesus Christ before the whole world. And his promise holds true. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Endurance is hard to come by in an American culture. We want it quick, and we want to get beyond it. That's called a wind sprint. And endurance requires a pace, a consistency that you know where you're going, but you know the length of time. And so you run at that pace. And that's for us, as we trust in all that Jesus promises for us. He had a pace of three and a half year ministry, of knowing that it would go to the cross. But he kept doing his thing that he does, with mercy and love. But it would lead to the cross with a great victory that would shut out the devil's temptations and taunts against us. How do we endure in these last days? Because, of course, Christ is far nearer than he was a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago. Christ is drawing near. How do we endure? We can fight all the just wars in the world. We can heal people for a better life. Let's live a little bit longer. It's not a bad thing. We can defend the rights of others. That's a good thing. But the word of the Lord comes to redeem us, to redeem life. Jesus will forgive what we have done and what we have not done. He lets us live in the honor and glory of his sacrifice, serving others in that truth so that we can learn to love in the right way of his cross. He will bring the victory in the end, won't he? It's not our victory. We're waiting on him for the victory. And so he will bring the victory 
But even now, the risen Lord comes to save his people as he now steps into our lives. Remember when I said earlier, your life ended? That's because you need Jesus. And he'll take care of your life, even as you go forward with him. So as St. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Lord, help that he may live in us. We do not work our way into his kingdom. He works his way into us by the promise of the word. What a wondrous salvation he gives beneath the cross. Don't ever give that up. We thank the veterans for alleviating our sufferings in this country. But the baptized know suffering our salvation in Jesus has become a freedom by faith in him with a love that throughout this world does not fail. It hasn't failed, and it will be faithful so that we can endure. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds in Christ our Lord, who truly comes to save his people from their sin. Amen. Rise and continue.